In uh, John chapter 14, we read this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can he say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It's uh, easy to read the Bible without reading the Bible. We get used to it. But I would like to stop and notice that this text that I just read is outrageous. And if you just skip by it, which is often what we do when we read outrageous things in the Bible, we just think, oh, well, I don't, I don't know what that means. I'll just keep going. And that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes, you know, it takes some difficult study and some hard work, and you don't always have time to do that right now. So, okay, keep going. But at some point, we need to stop and notice. Did you hear what Jesus said? He said, whoever believes in me will also do what I do. Now, he just said, he was talking about the Father in me does his works. And the works he's talking about are the works on account of which you would believe in him. In other words, the signs 
the miraculous things he does. Those are the works we're talking about in the context. And then he says, those who believe in me will do the works I do. Really? And then, and greater works. Well, we better figure out what he's talking about because it's not obvious. In fact, I don't think the disciples understood this until several weeks later, following the resurrection, following Pentecost even. I don't think they really got it until then, and I don't think they were supposed to. Jesus has already said in this text many times, you don't understand now, you will understand later. But you need to hear it now so that you'll understand it later. So, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. I want to just think for a second about what are the works that he does. And right here in the very, in the context, in the immediate context, we have a bit of a clue. Because he said right before this, the Father who dwells in me does his works. Same word. So what are the works Jesus does? And we've heard him say this many times in the book of John. The works Jesus does are the works he sees the Father doing. The works, in fact, he says, the Father's doing them in me, through me. I only do what the Father's doing. Okay, so that's a clue. The works that he does are the works of the Father who dwells in me. And now he's saying, and you will do that too. Person who believes in me. The works that Jesus does are the invisible God made visible in Christ. The whole book of John is oriented around, around this idea that Jesus is the communication, the Word made flesh. The, and right there in chapter 1, you remember John says, no one's seen God at any time, but the Son, the only begotten of God, he makes God known. How? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. That's how. And so the work of Christ is the work of the invisible God made visible in him. The works are what Jesus does to be seen and to be truly seen. In other words, to be seen truly. To be seen for who he actually is. To be, we might say, correctly identified. So when Jesus does a miracle, why? Why? Well, it's not just for the benefit of the miracle. When Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding, it wasn't just to supply wine. 
and satisfy all our needs for wine. It was to demonstrate, it says right there in the text, and that's when they believed in him, his disciples, having witnessed this. And that's the purpose of those miracles. It's to correctly identify Christ. And Jesus has said this several times, and he just said it here in the book of John. Believe on the basis, if you don't just believe what I say, believe on the basis of the works. Nicodemus said to Jesus, we know you're from God because only someone from God could do the works that you do. And that's the point of them that he would be identified correctly and in doing so would make God correctly identified. If we truly see Christ, then we truly see God. And that's what he just said right here to Philip, right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All the works of Jesus are see him to see the Father. And he's saying, uh, you'll do this too. You will become the visible demonstration of God by being the visible imitation of me. Wow. The whole point of everything Jesus does is, to, is for us to know God by knowing Christ. And Jesus, when he says, you will do the works, and the works are the Father who dwells in me does his works, that means God will dwell in you, believer, and you will make him known. By making Christ known, you will make God known because God dwells in you. Wow! So Jesus has taken that focus of believe on the basis of the works, and that's really kind of a reference to the demonstration of the power of God in some of the works he does. But you know, everything he does is a miracle in the sense that he is taking the, he is in his very person, in his behavior, in every word he speaks, he is putting the living God on display in the world to us. Wow. And so the emphasis has shifted a little away from just the miraculous works, but to all the works. Now, I, I think I would have to say that if we are to do the works of God, that means we're God dwelling in us will call attention to Christ and so people will come to know God by knowing us. Crazy. And if necessary, that might involve a miracle. I mean, there's no reason to rule it out. It's not really the focus, but Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. If that sort of demonstration is necessary, there's no limit on God whether he could do that or not. Of course he could. In fact, I think if we 
wanted to, we could have a conversation in this room and many of us would have observed such things. I have. In fact, if you have observed someone correctly identifying God by correctly identifying Jesus and putting their trust in Jesus, you have, in fact, witnessed a miraculous work. Because that doesn't just happen in the normal, natural course of events. It requires the immediate intervention of God himself for a person to actually see and correctly identify Jesus Christ. Can't happen otherwise. People are blinded to it according to Scripture. I can I can put I could put the most accurate picture of Christ right in front of you, and apart from the supernatural work of the Spirit of God in your heart and soul and mind, you would not recognize who he was. And so some things that seem ordinary to us a person changing his mind about who Jesus is. It might seem ordinary to us. It's not like there was some wa- a glass of water here and suddenly it's a glass of wine. It's not the wow, but it should be because it really is. To us, it seems, well, if I talk to someone about the gospel and they pray to receive Christ, I feel fantastic about that, but I don't always identify it as a work of God. I I might even accidentally think I did it. And I did do it, except he did it. (laughs) Because it's God who dwells in you that does the works. This is referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where uh, Paul is talking about how the body of Christ works, and he says there's a variety of gifts, one spirit, a variety of works or ways of service, one Lord, a variety of results, works, same word, works, one God who works all of works in all the people. Oh, same thing. It's the ordinary life of the church. When you come in here and just serve and you think you're doing something ordinary, when you serve in the body of Christ, in the fellowship of the community of the Spirit of God, what you are doing is not ordinary. It doesn't feel supernatural, but it is. And God takes that and does amazing things with it, most of which you will never know until you kind of explore all this one day in the eternal kingdom. And you look back and you say, oh, I just, you know, opened the door for someone. And God has taken you opening the door for someone and turned it into converted people somehow. Wow. And sometimes the ordinary loving service that we perform in the church is not ordinary. 
We could find some other things about the works that Jesus does right here in the context in chapter 13, just before this. What did Jesus do? He stood up from the table. He's the Lord, the teacher, the rabbi, and he stands up and gets the towel and the basin and washes his disciples' feet. That is backwards. Humble care. Humble service. That's the sort of thing Jesus does. And what does that tell you? That's the sort of thing God does. That's not like, you know, gods that we normally hear about. Gods that we normally hear about are more like superheroes and, you know, exalted figures and powerful. And, of course, God is powerful. And Jesus does supernatural things. But the Lord of Lords getting up and washing your feet, that's a supernatural thing. That's turning the order of righteousness in our heads upside down. And so I think, oh, when I'm putting God on display, then I will be finding myself engaged in humble, even humiliating service to others. And then maybe people will be able to correctly identify Christ by looking at me. And in correctly identifying Christ, they will know God. Wow. Or we might look at what Jesus said in chapter 13, 34, when he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's what's new about it. Love one another like I've loved you. And he's got the cross in mind. We, in Christ, will become free to give ourselves entirely for the love of others. We will be free to sacrifice anything or everything for the love of another in Christ, just as he did. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you a sacrificial love, an unconditional love that doesn't depend on any particular return, an intentional love, a love I do on purpose. And then here in chapter 14, verse 10, we just read it. The words I say to you, Jesus said, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. He switched. Words, works. The words, Jesus says, are the works of God. And so Jesus is the word of God and Jesus speaks the word of God. And so when we do the works that he does, we will speak the words of God. Well, I think you'd have to say, and I'm not sure that 
we've made a really thorough accounting for the works of Christ yet, but I think you'd have to say even what we've already said is fantastic beyond belief. The works I do, you will do, believer in me. The Father who dwells in me does his work. God will dwell in you and do his work. The invisible God is made visible in the life of Christ. The invisible God will be made, invi- made visible in your life. The works <laughs> of Jesus make God visible and they, your works will make God visible by making Christ visible so that Christ will be correctly identified and God will be known. And God will dwell in you and make himself known by making Christ known. And from time to time, this will involve something spectacular that we might call a miracle. But every time, every day, it will involve something that is a miracle that doesn't look like one. Every time, every day. Wow! And we will find ourselves in Christ free to humble ourselves. I, you know, I don't want to humble myself. But it turns out that humbling yourself is really good in relating to others, in, in having a powerful effect in the world. Humbling yourself is the, like the best thing you could do. We know that because that's what Jesus did. The eternal Son of God became one of us for crying out loud. And then as one of us, he stepped down and down and down and down. He put himself at the bottom. And I don't mean near the bottom. I mean the bottom. No one is beneath him. He gave his life on the cross. (laughs) I will find myself free to love others sacrificially, Whatever I have, I don't need. I have Christ. And in Christ, I have everything, so I don't need to worry about giving it to you. In fact, if I give it away, I still have it. Whatever. I can make any sacrifice if I have a real comprehension of who I am in Christ. So I can be loving like he is. And when I speak, when you hear me speak, it'll be like hearing God speak. Wow. It's after all that that he says, and greater. That's literally how it goes. Do the works that I do. And greater! And I think, what could be greater? What does he even mean greater? How could it be greater? He just raised Lazarus from the dead. What is going to be greater? What is he? Does he mean more spectacular? It's unimaginable. How how could it be more spectacular? Does he mean more supernatural? More, what could be more supernatural? 
Well, I just think about the works of Jesus. You know, he goes into town, and he, if he bumps into a sick person, he heals them for a while. Supernaturally. Does he mean more of them? More in number? Well, he might mean that, like, because, you know, there's 50 or so of us, so if we're all doing the works he's doing, maybe that's what he means, more of them. Well, except he just he doesn't really say that. He says greater works, not more works. And if you wanted to say more works, there's much easier ways to, more clear ways to say it in the language we're dealing with here. So he might have meant that, but he didn't say that. Does he mean more widespread? No, same problem. Does he mean more effective or lasting? So if I heal someone, they'll be more healed than they were when Jesus healed someone. I don't think so. Greater, what, what is greater? Well, there's a key right here in the text to tell us how to answer that question. And it's, it can be a little uh, tricky to get your mind around this. But here's what he says. I want to read it. Greater works than these will he do because. Oh, because. Why will you do greater works than he had done up to that point? And that was a very important observation. Why will the disciples do what will be greater about the works they do than what Jesus had done that they'd seen so far? And he, get, he says the answer to that question, why? Because I am going to the Father. <laughs> Man, this Bible study thing is hard. I, we, how does that relate? He's saying, look, I'm going. Now we've, all, we've had this whole conversation about where I'm going and I'm coming back and you can't go now, but you will go later. Uh, I'm going to the Father. What's that have to do with the greater works? He's saying, because I'm going, you will do greater works. Well, all we have to do is stop and think about the path from where Jesus is when he says this to the Father. Because what happens between now and Jesus arriving at the right hand of the Father literally revolutionizes everything. It changes everything. It transforms everything. It makes what Jesus is saying to the disciples actually possible, and it would not be possible if he does not go to the Father. How does he go to the Father? He dies on the cross for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He is on the third day raised from the dead. And then some 40 days later, so that he could clearly demonstrate to live witnesses that he was in fact raised from the dead, 
40 days later, he ascends. He's exalted to the right hand of God. Where, we read, he ever lives to make intercession for us. So we could say more, but I want to say those four things. When Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, he's saying, I am going to die, I am going to be raised, I am going to be exalted, and I am going to intercede for you. And we know about this intercession because the passage we're going to look at next time when he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And that's a function of his intercession before God. When we pray in the name of Christ, when I come before God and I say, in the name of Jesus, give me. Sorry, I can't. I'm gonna, I was about to preach next week's sermon. I'm going to wait. <clears throat> uh, the work, the greater work of Jesus, which has not yet occurred at this moment. The greater work of Jesus, Jesus has been here, he's been living, he's been living in perfect righteousness, demonstrating the righteousness of God in a human life. He's been doing these miraculous things so that he will be correctly identified as Christ Messiah. He's been exhibiting, loving his disciples, and he's been teaching them, and he's saying to them, love each other the way I've loved you, and everyone will know who you are, you're mine. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But all of this still is a bit in potential. And so these works of Jesus, which are amazing and fantastic, he's got a greater work coming for himself, which is death, resurrection, exaltation, intercession, promise of return, all of those things. The greater work of Christ is this one, I'm going to the Father. And his going to the Father looks like this. It goes all the way down before it goes back up. As we read in Philippians, he humbled himself even to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess in earth and under the earth and in heaven. Every knee will bow, proclaiming Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How did he come Jesus, the man, how did he come to that exalted position by way of the cross? And it's the cross, of course, that accomplishes everything for us. That makes me indwellable by the Spirit of God. Apart from the cross, there's no indwelling Holy Spirit. Because God has given me the righteousness of Christ, the Spirit of Christ <laughs> comes to me and wakens me, well, I'm sorry, raises me from the dead so that my eyes see him for who he is and I trust in him and I am redeemed, reconciled, alive again. So the greater work of Christ is that 
So I want to say this in a particular way, the, the difference between when Jesus says the works that I do and greater works than these. Here's a way of saying it. The works that I do, you'll do. What's he mean? He means the works that identify Christ as sent by the Father. And when he says the greater works, he means the works that identify Christ as returned to the Father. I'm going to say that again, because this is maybe a little abstract. The works that I do that you will also do, those are the works that identify Christ as sent by God. That's what he's always saying in the book of John. I'm the sent one, I'm the sent one. God, I'd only do what the one who sent me does. And then he's saying, you'll do the greater works because I'm going back. And so the greater works are the works that identify Christ as returned to the Father. In other words, he's the atoning sacrifice Christ now, today. He's the eternal resurrection Christ, not the temporary resurrection of Lazarus Christ, which is already amazing and fantastic, but the eternal everlasting resurrection of the glorification of Christ that we too are invited to participate in, the eternal resurrection Christ, the exalted Christ, the interceding Christ. When I sin, he says, died for that covered. And he's the interceding Christ in this way as well, which we're going to talk about next time. If you ask in my name, I'll give it whatever you need. As you're doing the greater works, whatever you need, you ask in my name, you've got it. Wow, we're going to have to sort that out, aren't we? Have you gotten everything you've asked for that you concluded the prayer in Jesus' name? Have he, has he given you everything you asked for? That's going to require some figuring out next week. He's the interceding Christ. He's the Christ who reconciles us and transforms us even now. When we see him as he is, we become like him. One day that will be totally realized. Today it can be realized to whatever extent we see him as he is. <sighs> greater works. They're not greater because they're more spectacular or people are going to say, wow, when they see you do something more than they did when Jesus, you know, told that guy to stand up and carry his mat home and he did it. And people are going, wow, he must be of God. But when you love one another as I have loved you, people will see Christ in you. And it can be the most ordinary thing, and yet it is the most extraordinary thing. It's part of the greater work. Because now, whenever we do the works, we're doing the greater works because Christ is risen exalted, interceding. So, how do we tie all that together? 
And by the way, this is, we gotta fit this in the text where it came from, right? We gotta read this after we read this interchange with Philip where Jesus says, haven't you seen that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father? That when, when you say, show us the Father, that's what I've been doing. Like if you see me, you see him. We gotta orient this in that context. And in the context that follows, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. <laughs> hmm. There's some kind of indwelling, mutual reciprocity, relationship that's coming through when I ask for something in the name of Jesus. And all of this is going to go in the context that we're going to come to in the next chapter. Where Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Abide in the vine, and you will bear much fruit, greater works. Now, because I'm grafted into the Son of God, the Eternal One, everything is different. Sometimes I don't see it. Sometimes it's hard to notice. It is whether I notice it or not. I think it's good if you notice. You give thanks when you notice. You, you engage it more seriously when you notice. And so let's notice greater works than these you will do. Because I've, now we can say it like this, because he has gone to the Father. We are living in the age of this text. They were living in the age before this reality. We are these people, believe, whoever believes will do the works that I do. So the Spirit does dwell in us. We're going to talk a lot about the Spirit dwelling in us right here in these chapters that we're coming into. Jesus' talk here, the last talk, is full of talk of sending of the Spirit. So I say to you, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Rest yourself in Christ. The world is going to distract you. It has distracted you this week. It'll distract you again tomorrow. Things will look important that aren't. They just aren't, but they will seem to be. And you will start to focus your attention. How do I know this? Because this happens to me every week. Things, you will start to focus your attention on stuff that really just doesn't matter if I know this. And so we come together today and we remember and we say, oh, right, Jesus, 
I rest in him and I move forward from the status of a saved person, a redeemed person, a reconciled to God person, a spirit indwelled person. (laughs) That's who I am. And from that status, I live out into the world and I maybe can, maybe a little more this week than last week, reflect that crazy love that God has showered on me onto the people around me. And people will see the way we love one another and they will say, oh, Jesus people. Oh, there's some Jesus people. Look how they love each other, like he did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let us abide in Christ. Father, thank you for the opportunity that Christ has purchased for us at such a great price. Demonstrating the humility of God, what an amazing thing. Father, we have been set free. Help us to take advantage, to live in that freedom. Freedom to be sacrificially loving. Lord, I pray that in the life of this community, this church, the love of Christ would be a beacon a lighthouse for the people of our community. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.